My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. Hello and welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people who are facing many different struggles, talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I'll be speaking with Navjeet Sidhu and Scott McDonald. One of the things that can be really striking when you begin to dig into the history of working people and working class struggles is that there was a time when there was far more infrastructure than we have today, whether it was connected to the labor movement or to leftist political parties or otherwise embedded in working class communities, focused on making and sharing and celebrating a distinctly working class culture. Moreover, when you look at the mainstream cultural landscape today, you have to look pretty hard to find television and movies focused on telling stories about working and workers and working class struggles. It's not that there's none, there just isn't much. Today, the very idea of culture that focuses on and emerges from the experiences of workers, in all of the racial, gender, sexual, linguistic, ability-based, and national diversity that category captures, can be hard to communicate and often evoke skepticism about its importance and its value. Thankfully, there are also plenty of exciting grassroots initiatives pushing back against that erasure. Navjeet Sidhu is a researcher for the union Unifor, while Scott McDonald is a member of the United Steelworkers. Both are board members of the Canadian Labour International Film Festival, or CLIF. The festival was founded by Frank Saptel, a communications officer for the Machinists' Union. He noticed that, Though there are local events of various sorts in some places in Canada that celebrate working-class culture, there was no film festival of national scope devoted to the experiences of workers working and labor. And since 2009, the volunteers who make Cliff happen have been raising the funds and doing the planning necessary to fill that gap. Each year, the festival calls for submissions from grassroots and professional filmmakers alike, usually on the general theme of work and workers. This year, they had more than 200 submissions to choose from. One of the things that the Cliff Board does with these submissions is program a keynote Cliff screening in Toronto. This year, it happened on November 10th, which was a few days after the conversation with Navjeet and Scott was recorded, but before this program has made its way to listeners. That's not all, though. Cliff is a national festival, and Cliff events happen around the country throughout November. The Cliff Board puts together packages to make it as easy as possible to host a screening. They provide ready-made promotional material, as well as a choice between a one-hour and a two-hour collection of films on DVD. And because of this, throughout the month, screenings of Cliff's selections happen in cinemas and union halls, in community centers and break rooms, in big cities and small towns all across Canada. This year's Cliffs lineup includes four films from Canada, as well as films from South Africa, France, Mexico, the UK, Egypt, and more. The content includes a comedy about working in the food service industry, a documentary examining the role of people who work in the fishing industry in Greece in responding to the Syrian refugee crisis, a look at the struggles of workers in South African vineyards, a film highlighting the experiences of migrant tobacco workers, a short about working as a beekeeper, and lots more. 
I speak with Navjeet and Scott about the importance of culture that shares and celebrates the stories of working people, about the hard work of keeping Cliff going each year, and about what you can expect to see this year at a screening near you. My name's Navjeet Sidhu, and I'm on the board of Cliff, and I've been on board for, this is my fourth festival, I believe. The Canadian Labour International Film Festival started back in 2009, and it's really a platform to showcase films that have to deal with the workers, the labour movement, and issues facing workers, and we really want to give a platform for those stories to be shared on a national level because it's often stories we don't hear too much about, especially in mainstream cinema. So I really want to profile workers' voices and show how personal experiences of work really tie in with other forms of systemic oppression like sexism, racism, migrant exploitation, and really want to provide filmmakers with a platform to showcase their films and share their stories with the general public. I've been involved in activist work for 12, 15 years now. I currently work as a researcher for Unifor, so I've been heavily involved in the labor movement and workers' rights. But I also have this artsy side, and I love film. And one day I saw this posting come up for board of directors wanted for the Canadian Labour International Film Festival. So I responded to the ad and the running gag was it took them a year to respond because it's, we're just a small group and, you know, we're doing this on the side of our desk. But yeah, I joined the group when they invited me and I've been enjoying it ever since. And I think for me, I have a profound appreciation for the art of film. I think it's such a powerful medium to not only share stories, but also to inspire people to act for a collective good or a cause. So that's kind of how I became involved and am still involved. My name is Scott McDonald, and I'm also a board member with CLIP. I've been on the board for approximately four years. I became involved about four years ago. When I first moved to Toronto, I'd been living in Edmonton for quite some time. And in Edmonton, I was involved in a number of different film festivals, including Global Visions Film Festival and the Latin American Film Festival, as well as doing some production of a television show and a film in Edmonton. And so when I moved to Toronto, I was looking for another festival to get involved with. Searching online, I found Cliff, and they still had the call for board members up. So <laughs> I took them up on it, contacted the board, and worked out well. And I've enjoyed being with the board for a number of years, and very excited about the film festival that we have coming up this year. So I know neither of you were involved at that point, but tell me what you know about the founding of the festival. The founder is Frank Septel. He's a communications officer at the Machinists Union. And I mean, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I believe he really saw a gap in Canada in terms of having a labor-themed film festival. Certainly these festivals exist in other cities like DC and in the UK and New York and Australia, but there wasn't really a Canadian, a national Canadian film festival that focused specifically on workers and the labor movement. And I know his vision was really inspiring workers to share their personal stories. I know these days it's just so easy with digital recording devices being so accessible that people can 
create their own short stories using just their phone. And I think that's the spirit. It's a really grassroots festival that anyone can participate. It's not solely for professional filmmakers. It's really anyone can do this and anyone who has a story, we would like to hear it and we'll provide you a platform to showcase your story nationally. Walk listeners through the annual organizing cycle for the festival. The planning really starts as soon as the one is finished. <laughs> so we will get together in December and celebrate this year's festival, but begin discussions about what's going to take place next year. And the first thing would be to do a call out for submissions for the festival. We have an online submission process where filmmakers from around the world can submit the festival for free. There's no cost to submit at all. We're happy to review all the films that come in. And so that takes us from January up until June. We're reviewing films. It's a process where all the board members and our volunteers are able to view the films online and choose the ones that we feel are going to be impactful for the audience and that we can share throughout the country. We also do a lot of fundraising throughout the year. Give us money. <laughs> yeah. And we, we do a lot. I can't think <laughs> Yeah, I think a lot of it is just planning. Since we moved to this online submission system for films, we are just become inundated with movies. We get literally, I think this year we got over 200 films. Definitely, yeah, easily. So just trying to parse through them and rate all the films individually. We have board of directors, not just in Toronto, but in BC and Nova Scotia as well. So they participate in the festival. Again, we really want to emphasize the national scope. Then it goes into what the top picks that we'll will show for the year. One of the innovative parts of our festival is that we have two mobile packages called Festival in a Box and our Lunchbox Special. So these are two packages of two hours and one hour each and that people from across the country, they can order the DVDs from us and they can organize their own cliff screening in their union hall or at a community center wherever there is a projector and a screen and they want to invite people, we provide them with the tools to help facilitate them organizing their own screening. So I think that's also one of the key features of Cliff. On top of our Toronto festival, which was usually a weekend, but this year we've scoped it down to a one evening, two hour showing. And that's pretty much the process. That's the magic. We also have film awards. We have three awards that we give out each year. We have the Best in Fest award. These are all cash prizes. We have the Best Canadian Award, and we also have the Miguel Cifuentes Social Justice Award, which is a film chosen by Miguel's family. He used to be a board member with us. He was with Unite here, and he unfortunately passed away. So we created this award in his honor, and every year his family gets to pick the Social Justice Film Award for them. I think another key feature about the festival is that it's absolutely free for audience members. So all across the country at all these screenings, people can come out to the theater and see these great films completely for free. And we also have location coordinators throughout the country that put on the festival in different locations. And so they're really key to getting this festival going as well through their contacts and through their planning. They're able to put on the festival in their communities. And we provide them, like Nav said, with the DVDs, with the marketing materials, so that we can help facilitate them doing that. And next year is our 10th annual festival. So we're hoping to have some special events to mark our 10-year anniversary. So 
I think as soon as this festival ends in the beginning of January, we'll start planning for 2018. So when you're faced with that huge number of submissions, what kind of criteria do you use to choose what ends up going in the festival? Obviously, having to do with work or work experience or labor movement, that's kind of our broad theme. We don't restrict ourselves too much. Obviously, we get a lot of submissions that have nothing to do with that. So unfortunately, those get disqualified. But really, that's the central focus we want to keep in terms of movie selection. And then we don't really have a theme every year. I know some festivals have a theme. We've tried to do that. It hasn't really panned out too well. So we just really try to keep it broad and inclusive. And so the criteria is really, at the end of the day, what would people find interesting? Obviously, quality of the video is something important to keep in mind. It's great if you have a great story, but if the audio is not too great and you can't really hear anything, that kind of makes the viewing experience a little more difficult. So really just interesting stories. We emphasize more Canadian content since we are a Canadian festival, but we also try to ensure that we have a broad range of selections from each continent. And so those are kind of the broad criteria. And then we use this online rating system where we rate films from one to 10, and then we compile those at the end of all our judging. And then we have a sometimes a difficult conversation about how do we limit it to what will fit in a two-hour package or what will fit in a one-hour package. So that's probably our longest meeting of the year in terms of choosing what our festival will look like. So that's kind of how it works in a nutshell. We have all different types of films, lots of documentaries, dramas, comedies, and as Nat mentioned, from all around the world. We have a strong Canadian content. This year we also have films from Mexico and South Africa, from UK, from Egypt, and India, and so on. And I think what we enjoy doing is sharing stories, especially that have to do with worker resistance and showing how, when workers organize collectively, they can affect social change I think that's also one of the goals that we're trying to accomplish is really inspire people towards that vision of economic and social justice. Giving a platform for those stories to be shared is re- is really critically important today because they are happening and we just might not hear of them. And how does fundraising work for Cliff? Luckily, pretty much all of us on the board are union members or attached to labor movement somehow. So labor unions have been our largest financial supporter because we want to keep the festival free and accessible for all. They've really supported us throughout the years. And also, of course, on the day of, we encourage people who are able to, to make donations. But at the end of the day, it's really a shoestring budget with, you know, rental space of the theater in Toronto, duplicating all the DVDs preparing all the outreach materials and posters and flyers. In Toronto, we usually have a little reception just with some food and drinks so people can mingle a little bit after the festival. We just managed to scrape by each year. So we've been lucky to be able to do it with the funds available. We don't really have a capacity for grant writing at the moment, but luckily we're confident we have lots of labor union supporters and large labor federations. They've been very supportive of the festival throughout the years. Talk more about the events themselves, both the one that you organize in Toronto and the range of other events that happen across the country. Here in Toronto, it's held for the past few years at Carlton Cinema, which is downtown Toronto. 
In previous years, we've held it over two days and showed every film that we've selected in Toronto. This year, we've decided to really concentrate our efforts in making sure that we support location coordinators around the country. And so we'll be having one package here in Toronto showcasing two hours worth of the films that we've selected. But we'll also have different packages that are sent out to location coordinators all over the country. And in previous years, we've had screenings in Whitehorse and Fredericton and Halifax and Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, from large cities to, to really small towns and in theaters to small community centers, break rooms and so on. So wherever somebody's able and willing to show these films, we're able to provide them with the package so that they can put it on for their community members. In terms of audience, I think it's quite broad. We, I think, predominantly are, are union members who come out because that's where we do most outreach to. We've been trying to broaden our audience. It's a bit difficult, uh, especially in a city like Toronto, where there's, I can't remember how many, like 50 different types of film festivals that we're competing with. So it's difficult drawing public at times. We also get some young filmmakers come out. We obviously invite the filmmakers who are close by to the event themselves. I think in the smaller locations, most of the location coordinators belong to a union as well. And so, yeah, they outreach to their own locals and their own union. We actually also, in Peel, the Elementary Teachers Federation, they always hold their CLIP event separately in March because it's difficult for the teachers to come out during the school year. So we facilitated elementary teachers to hold their separate event in, in the Peel region in, in March. And they usually have a really good turnout and they've been really strong supporters of, uh, of CLIP over the years. So definitely a broad audience, but you know we're really trying to get more rank and file members out and expose them to some of these stories just to kind of broaden people's outlook of how the labor movement looks outside of Canada and maybe trying to connect those struggles internationally. So, you know, a worker here might be seeing a film in Egypt and make connections of, oh, those struggles that are happening here kind of resonate as well in other parts of the world. So making those connections broadly is something that we've been trying to do as well. Tell me more about the films in this year's Cliff lineup. The 16 films that we've selected overall, most of them are short films. They're one hour or less. We have four strong Canadian films, as well as films from South Africa, from France, Mexico, the UK, Egypt, really all telling different stories about workers and work. We have a couple of comedies to really lighten the mood, as well as some dramas, and featured documentary that will be screened here mm-hmm. in Toronto called Bitter Grapes, Slavery in the Vineyards. That tells about the struggle of workers in South Africa's wine industry. Yeah, we also have uh, this year, we have actually one of the comedies is a movie from France and talks about a food server with his experience with his most difficult customer he's ever seen. And it's quite funny. We also have uh, one of the Canadian films called Fishermen of Lesbos, and that talks about Greek fishermen who are on the front lines of much of the Syrian refugee crisis and how often these fishermen are the first point of contact for many of these refugees. So it's kind of telling that story from the fisherman side. We have a story from Mexico about migrant tobacco workers. We have a movie about 
a beekeeper and, and talking about his experiences working in this industry. That's a short film. So very broad range of great selections this year. So stepping back from the specifics of this year's festival, talk more about why you think it's important for an event like Cliff to exist. Film and, and labor has a long history. I think one of the first motion pictures from Louis Lumiere in 1895, I believe, it was called Workers Leaving the Lumiere Factory. And that was considered one of the first motion pictures. And that was essentially a labor film. Obviously, it was 46 seconds long and workers were just leaving the factory. But <laughs> And that's all it uh, entailed. But I think if you look during 1940s, 1930s, there are lots of films dealing with workers' rights and, and unions. And then in post-war period, you definitely saw a shift where unions were not portrayed by Hollywood in a very favorable light. They're very deliberately labeled as evil communists. So definitely seeing a shift in terms of stories about workers and labor movement not being portrayed very well, or even often at all. So it's, it's very rare these days. Obviously, there's some very notable exceptions like Norma Ray, for instance, or Pride that just came out a few years ago, which is a great movie. But really giving a platform for independent filmmakers to share their stories. I think that's one of the critical aspects of CLIF and other labor film festivals that happen around the globe. And we're just, I think, we're astonished each year at how many films we receive. So people are interested in making these films, and they're just looking for a place to share them. And I think that's why CLIF is so important. And we work closely with other film festivals like the Palestinian Film Festival or Toronto Korean Film Festival and May works at times, and we co-sponsor our events and, and make sure we keep informed of each other, of things that might fall into each other's respective film festivals. So we really like to work with other organizations as well. So I think that's the spirit that we want to continue growing the festival and making sure that we can share these stories widely with everyone. So my impression looking back at history is that in certain earlier eras, it's really easy to identify lots of cultural production that is vibrant and that is distinctively working class, as well as lots of institutions focused on producing and celebrating that. But if you look at today, notwithstanding the great work that Cliff and other similar initiatives do, I get the sense that it can be hard to even convey the idea that there is some value in making culture, making art, making films, making books that flow from and focus on and celebrate the experiences of work and workers and working class struggle. How do you navigate that? It's challenging, that's for sure. But I think when people are exposed to the films, when we talk to folks after a screening, I think they're incredibly moved. And they might not necessarily make those larger connections, but they're, I would say, able to make those one-on-one -on -one personal connections more easily, if that makes sense. Like hearing a story of a, a worker being exploited on the job and being able to make those kinds of connections on their personal experiences, I think that is something that we're, we're really trying to do. 
obviously it's a challenging when you're kind of labeling it as a worker film festival because people automatically assume it's going to be a long drown out documentary that's very depressing. Um, and I think what we try to do is show different types of films and show the different types of ways that workers' stories can be shown. You know, it can be, I think of something like uh, like Office Space or Clerks, for instance. We think of those as, you know, simple comedies, but they have very, very strong labor themes in them. And I think making those connections is a bit difficult, but I think that just shows we, we still have a lot more work to do on that end. So at the screenings that you host in Toronto or what you understand of the screenings that happen elsewhere in the country, does it often come up that people ask about getting involved themselves in grassroots filmmaking? And if they do ask, do you have resources that you point them towards? I think most of the questions we get is, how can I contact the filmmaker and show maybe one particular film? I don't think we've received too many requests on how to make films. We went through a phase a couple of years ago where we really wanted to do some workshops about filmmaking and provide audience members the opportunity to tell their story through film because of lack of funds and, and capacity. capacity. We weren't able to do it, but I think it's a wonderful idea. I think it's something that in the future, if we have that capacity, it's something that we'd be really interested in doing. Yeah, I don't think it's completely off the table. We were working closely with a local filmmaker who was interested in participating. These kinds of projects are definitely something I think down the road, we really love to get some additional funds and yeah, totally get some local union members out and give them some filmmaking 101 and editing 101 skills. I think that would definitely be something we'd be interested in pursuing. What other big dreams do you have for what Cliff could be and what Cliff could do in the future? with enough capacity and enough resources? What we've been lacking is kind of making connections with other international labor film festivals. I know in the States, they had this annual labor film festival conference that each year we seem to miss sending somebody from Clip to. So something like that, finding those opportunities to make connections with other international labor film festivals sharing resources, sharing strategies on how to grow audiences, how to fundraise better. You know, these are all skills we're learning too as we go. And maybe even broadening Cliff internationally. I know a few times we've received requests from folks from other countries who wanted to host a Cliff screening, and I think that's great if we can develop our capacity more on that end. I would say those are big goals and just seeing it through for another 10 years. You have been listening to my interview with Navjeet Sidhu and Scott McDonald of the Canadian Labour International Film Festival, or CLIF. To learn more about it, go to laborfilms.ca. That's laborfilms.ca. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, or to suggest topics for future shows, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show. On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook or Twitter. 
I'm your host, Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, Gender and Sexuality, and Resisting the State, both from Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week.